what to do when you're pressed to pray. What to do when you're pressed to pray. Meaning, from some direction, at some point in time, trouble has troubled your waters. Trouble has moved in and caused things that had been stable and familiar to somehow have the sense of instability and even unfamiliarity. What does a child of God do? What do you do when you're pressed to pray? One of the things that the Lord said through Paul was that that he has the ability to cause all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. One of the things that he does with trouble is that he allows the trouble to press us into him, to pull us closer to him. When things are normal and things are smooth, and, and, and all the thunderstorms are out in the Gulf or over in Mexico. And everything is calm here in South Texas. There can be the sense, because of the fallenness of our human nature, to somehow think it's just always supposed to be that way. And somehow we just kind of deserve things to work and fit and go smoothly. And then trouble comes from many different directions and types to remind us, Lord, I need you. My family needs you. This body needs you. Trouble has a way of pressing us in to him. So for a few minutes this morning, the subject. What to do when you're pressed to pray. There are three points I'd like to leave with you this morning. My background is Baptist. Three points, a poem, and a prayer. That's how it worked. I don't have the poem, but there probably will be a prayer. These three things under this subject, what to do, when you're pressed to pray. Number one, start here. Watch what I'm doing. Start here. Not start out there. But start here. David said, I wish you would find this Spot in your scripture if you would like to, or at least write down where it is found. Psalm 139, verse 23. David says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. David would say in another spot. This is Psalm number 66. Starting in verse 16. Let me read this to you. Psalm 66 verse 16. Come and hear all who fear God. And I will tell of what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and he was extolled or blessed with my tongue. If I regard wickedness in my heart, 
the Lord will not hear me. But certainly God has heard. He has given heed to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not turned away my prayer nor his loving kindness from me. Why was David able to say that? Because he wasn't a perfect man. He was human, very human. Psalm 51 speaks of just how human he was and how much a mess he had made up, made of a life that had been dedicated to the Lord. But how could he say these things? He could say these things because he understood that if his heart was cluttered with things that grieve the heart of the Lord, the one to whom he needed the answer from, the one whom he needed the heavens to be open to so his prayer, his cry for help could go that way and then the help could come back down, he knew that his heart needed to be clean and not grieving to the Lord even though he knew he was a sinner. So what would he do? What did he say? Search me, Lord. Show me when the things come up that grieve you, that offend you. It was as if he was saying, Lord, there can be some things I've done that I don't even know were wrong, but you picked up on it, and if it's there, I I, I want that erased too. Because the one voice I need the most to hear me. It's your ear, your voice. I need you, Lord, more than I need anything else. When trouble comes and we're pressed to pray, the first thing is not to blame, to blame, to blame, to blame. Because you can't control the one you're blaming. And the one you're blaming is not going to be the source of the help we need. Can somebody just say amen? The the one that we need the help from is the one we need to make sure that there is no unconfessed sin in our hearts. Things that would grieve So David said, search me, Lord. Then in another place in Psalm 66, he will will make that statement. If, If I had been holding on to sin in my heart, even if I prayed, the Lord wouldn't hear me. But then he goes on to say, but the Lord heard me. And what that must mean is that he forgave me of my sin. When trouble comes... When we're pressed to pray, start here. In Psalm 24, David would also say, Who who shall ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who who shall stand on his high hill? And he said, It is the ones with clean hands and with a pure heart. Clean hands toward people, pure heart this way. Even as we say those words and as David would write them down, he would know that in order for it to be true, there's going to have to be a lot of washing of those hands and a lot of cleaning up of that heart. But the faithfulness of the Lord and His unending loving kindness to do such a thing for His children is just a part of who He is. Instead of covering Instead of blaming, instead of trying to move on and not deal with this part. It's just the better part of wisdom to begin here because we can control this. We can't control that. And if we need for the heavens to open, even though it hadn't been fixed or changed out there, they haven't repented. That hasn't been adjusted in a way that is right in the sight of the Lord. But we have. We have then there is freedom, there's an open heaven for the Lord to do what He would want to do for us. So, what to do when you're pressed to pray, number one, start here. Start here.
Number two, embrace your sphere. Embrace your sphere. And the number three is going to be enforce his authority. Enforce his authority. Back to number two. Would you leave uh, the book of Psalms and go with me to the New Testament and Paul's writing to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians and chapter 10. Your sphere, embrace your sphere. That's going to need a little bit of explanation. You read these words that Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10, particularly verses 3 through 5, and you wonder how in the world could he say such things with such audacity, with such confidence. There's a background to it. There's, there's a reason why. And where we're headed with this is, as Paul understood the authority given to, the him, given to him for the sphere of influence that God had also given to him, it is a lesson in types, it is a lesson in clear teaching that what was true for Paul in his sphere is true for you in your sphere if we'll let it in and dare to believe that it could be applicable. Let me read this. This is 2 Corinthians 10, verse 13. The background here is that, that Paul was the first one to carry the message of Jesus into the pagan city of Corinth. Nobody had ever heard of Jesus. Nobody had ever believed in Jesus. Nobody had ever responded to the gospel of Christ until Paul went there and began to preach. And as a result of the Spirit just being poured out on a whole city, there evidently were thousands of Corinthians that came to faith in Christ. Paul, in a very real sense, was their spiritual father because God had commissioned him to be such in their lives. But as time went on, there came to be a group that emerged from within Corinth, and some may have come from outside to Corinth, uh, carrying a, 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 a hostile attitude toward the Apostle Paul. And they, they began to speak to the Corinthian Christians and stir up within them questions about, about Paul's apostolic credentials and, and about his character and, and about his physical appearance. And it, it was causing enough of a concern within that congregation of Christians in Corinthian, in Corinth, that, that Paul had the sense that if, if, if this continues uncontested, it's going to be a bigger problem than it ever should be, and I've got to address it, okay? So, so he's, he, in this section, is addressing this challenge to his authority, the challenge to his influence as the spiritual father of those people. So we find it and find these words in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 13. But we will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere, within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us, which God apportioned to us as a measure to teach even, to reach even as far as you. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach to you. For we were the first to come even as far as you in the gospel of Christ, not boasting beyond our measure, that is, in other men's labors, but with the hope that as your faith grows, we shall be within our sphere enlarged even more by you. Here, here is another translation of verse 13 that may be a little clearer. We will not boast about things done outside our area of authority, sphere, outside our area of authority. We will boast only about what has happened within the boundary of the work of God 
the work God has given to us, which includes our working with you. The sphere was a realm of influence, even a realm of authority over and for the purpose of blessing these Christians in Corinth. Now, they would, they would question Paul's physical authority. And by doing that, these opponents were also questioning his spiritual authority. But what Paul, unshaken, says back with regard to the situation, not only has he given me, the Lord given me physical authority with regard to who you are and how you came to faith in Christ physically in Corinth, but I know whether the ones who are contesting my role in your lives, believe it or not, I understand the measure of spiritual authority that the Lord has given me over you and to you for the purpose of blessing you, protecting you, encouraging you. When the Lord gives to any of us a sphere, a God-given home, marriage, children, a job, a business that you own, some realm of influence that an opportunity that, that, that you know had to have come from him or you would never have been able to enjoy it. It is incumbent upon us as the Lord's people, recognizing that trouble can come, and the trouble can come in the form of Satan trying to steal, kill, and destroy that which God has given to you. The two-sided coin of the authority that you, whether we recognize it, operate in it or not, it's a reality. In the sphere that God has given you, there is physical authority. And there is the dimension of spiritual authority. Look at what it says with regard to Paul's physical authority. This is the end, at the end of verse 2 in chapter 10, that these uh, who, who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. Just, he's just a man. He's just a man. He's just a man. He's no different. He's no better. He's no more important. He's, no, he's no with, here with no more authority than any other man. Then they go on they further they say it, me accusing him, for they say, verse 10, verse 10, his letters are weighty and strong, but his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech contemptible. They wadded the apostle Paul up into one human body. And they said, this is our evaluation of all that Paul is. He's not much to look at, and he doesn't talk very good either. That's all Paul is. The, the, um, tradition has it that the Apostle Paul more than likely was of a short frame, that when he stood to speak, because he probably had an eye problem, a vision problem, he squinted his eyes. And he spoke in a high, monotone, squeaky kind of voice. So they were evaluating, this is the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament. They were evaluating this mighty man of God on the basis of what he looked like and saw, sounded like, because they only saw authority in a physical sense and in that physical sense, they, could, they felt that that was limited and they could tear it down and make it serve them. Can I say to us as husbands, 
speak to our dear wives and and any of you in places of, of influence where God has given it to you, there, there has been given to you as a husband a measure of physical authority. But that authority, authority is to protect and to bless, you know, and, and, and not to spend all our, well, I'm the husband, she's the wife, she needs to stay in her place and just do her little thing. I'm the most important. The ones who talk like that have, have a... I don't even know where to, how to start on that because Peter will say they're joint heirs of the grace of life. A wife is a joint heir. She's at least got 50%. She's at least got 50%. Which will mean, ladies, that as you have stepped into a marriage, in a relationship with a man, and you feel like God brought the two of you together, it isn't just about him doing his part and using his authority to care for and to protect and to provide, however that will work itself out. But it is also that you have been given a measure of authority in that union for the purpose of building up and not tearing down. For the purpose of encouraging and and, and defending where you're going to know better than he will ever know himself or others in his acquaintance may ever know where he's vulnerable, what lies he's the most prone to believe about himself or about others. And so your part in the marriage is not just about babies and not just about three hot meals a day. How about that? In the old, that used to happen. You know, that was the assignment. Some of you, your parents, that, that was how it worked. There were no fast food things anywhere. It was, that was the role within the home. But what we get from this is that Paul is saying, as an apostle to the, to the Gentiles, he, he was sent to Gentiles wherever the Lord would send him. And as the churches would start, the Lord would give him authority to birth the church but he was also given the authority to protect the church, to feed the church, to help nourish the church. Our sphere is not what the Apostle Paul's was. Our sphere is what we know that God has given to me, the babies that you have, on a, that, that it's something that only God could have given. So, so here, here's, here's what the, the word authority is a combination of two concepts. The biblical word, exousia, that we bring into English and use the word authority. It's a combination of these two concepts. Right and might. Right, permission. Ability, right, and might. The power to accomplish what the right is to do. In our sphere, and the enemy understands authority better than anybody, any human on the earth. He understands when someone is standing in their God-given place, exercising their God-given authority. And as a result of that, Satan is perpetually trying to attack the ones who are supposed to have the places of authority, to, to run them off, discourage them, get them distracted, so that he is never contested. The enemy is never contested. Husband, as much as I love us, brothers, you can't hand off the place of authority that God has given you to stand up for and stand in the gap for your wife and your children. You can't hand that to anybody else. You say, well, I give, we got food in the refrigerator, we got... Satan doesn't care a thing about what kind of car we drive or how much food we've got or what kind of clothes we have on. 
What matters to him is whether or not you as a husband, as a father, will stand up to him in the name of Jesus, in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, and say to him out loud where you need to, no. No, you have no authority here. I'm not going to sleep and closing my eyes on what you're trying to do to my family and to my business, properties I try to, so forth. I'm recognizing that the only challenge to what God would want in ways of blessing and peace come from darkness. And I'm standing not in my own authority. I'm standing in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm saying to you on behalf of my sons and daughters, my wife, my business, my property, I'm saying to you, stop it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Quit it and be gone. Now, Paul evidently felt like those were not just empty words to be spoken. He, he says, verse 3, chapter 10, verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, they're not natural, but they are divinely powerful, for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. Exercising His authority in these ways. Now, you ready for your hat to be blown in the creek? Are you ready? Because when this is properly understood, it's stunning. It's stunning. Paul says, you can make fun of my looks, you can make fun of my voice, you can make fun of my letters. But let me tell you what's fixing to happen, big boy. Let me tell you what's coming at you. God has given me authority to protect these sheep. God has given me the authority to defend what he has given to me, and I'm flat going to do it, and so here's what's going to happen. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. These weapons are not anything you can see. These weapons don't have a physical trigger. These weapons don't have a firing pin. These weapons have nothing to do with what can be seen in the natural. It's another whole dimension of authority and released power. They're not of the flesh, but it says they are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Uh, the old King James translates that divinely powerful as mighty unto God. The, the weapons Paul is talking about are weapons that he says God calls powerful. God says they're strong. God says they're invincible. Whether people recognize it or not, these weapons are divinely powerful. And then it says for the destruction or the demolition of fortresses. The word there for destruction or demolition means a force so strong that it results in the total crumbling and crushing of an iron or, excuse me, a stone fortress. That the, the, the stones are so crushed that you couldn't even stack up one on top of the other. The destruction so forceful, so complete. Of what? Of fortresses. Fortresses. Fortresses being along the lines of a prison fortress, perhaps, 
where there are prison guards that are keeping the incarcerated under lock and key. It can be that, but it can also be a fortress from the standpoint of an attempt to, to thwart an attack, an assault. Either way, both fit. If Paul is saying what they have done to you, the result has been as they've convinced you, as they've spoken lies to you, as they've, they've, they've distorted what is logical, what is reasonable, and you have been captured, imprisoned, incarcerated inside that fortress, the weapons that God has given are so strong that there will be a complete destruction of that which has held you captive. The other idea that they're, they're moving in, they're moving in upon, and they're trying to set up a place from which they can launch further attacks. He says, That's destroyed. that will be destroyed. That will be destroyed. And I'm going to tell you, Apostle Paul was, was as crazy as a loon, or he was on to something. He was saying, this is all in the realm, the invisible realm of ideas and attitudes and conclusions in the mind. There would be no way physically to verify that it is true going in or that anything had happened going out except for the fact that minds have been changed. Attitudes have been shifted. That which has been shut down because of conclusions in the mind and heart now are open because there's no more restriction. So he says, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We are destroying speculations. He, he's, he's speaking of how he prays. He's saying these weapons are not physical. You're not going to have to see these, but here's what's happening. Here's what's happening in the unseen realm. Here's what's happening to counter what the enemy is seeking to do to hurt you, the Lord's people. Destroying speculations. That means, that's the word we get our word logic from. Logic. Logic can be incorrect logic. Logic can be wrong logic. Two plus two equals five. Two plus two doesn't equal four. Let me show you why two plus two equals five. It can become, the enemy can become so skilled at distorting, at distorting logic that he can make something that ought to be obviously and quickly known as false. He can make it seem and feel like, well, maybe that's true. Paul is saying, where your logic has been distorted, where your thinking of what is truth and what is more truth has been affected, I'm telling you, that is being destroyed. That is being destroyed through the exercise of these weapons of our warfare. They're not in the natural. You can't see them, and you don't know when they're being launched. But they will have the effect to destroy the stronghold and to set the captives free. Okay, now, now listen, daddies, 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 mamas. I'm just saying to you, I'm inviting you to step off into an area of a relationship with your Lord and into the realm of possibility, God, could this be true for me, for my family, for how I pray for my children? Hannah said about Samuel when she took Samuel, the little guy, to Eli, the high priest, she said, he has been dedicated to the Lord all the days of his life. Meaning, from her perspective, the authority of a mom, God-given authority, I'm not turning this boy over to the devil. I'm not bailing out when he gets hit. Devil, you're going to get tired of seeing me. And Lord, the throne of grace 
can never be worn out by my petitions. I'm enforcing your authority to protect my baby, to provide for my baby, to turn him into the man of God you want him to be. I enforce it. I enforce it. I enforce it. I enforce the weapons of my authority. Given that baby, given that wife, given that... You say that enforcing authority, it can sound like it's a mean and cruel thing. No, it's not. That's only if you've got a mean and cruel person whose authority is being enforced. But what if it is the best father in all the universe? What if it's the God who is known as the God of love? And he is saying, Paul, I'm giving you the authority to build them up. I don't want to tear them down, but if you, as you build them up, that means you're protecting them and that you're coming against the things that will do damage to their hearts and to their spirits. And you do that as my representative. You're not doing it in your own authority. You're doing it in my authority. Dismantling logic, conclusions, that have caused folks to believe and feel because they think it's right. They think it's the truth. But from the perspective of God, it's a lie. It's deception. It's wrong. It's incorrect logic. But Then he goes on to say, destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Prideful thing. All about me kind of thing. We're destroying every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. He saw those things operating, the fruit of those deceptions and tactics of the enemy operating in the lives of the ones he loved. That's why they're listed. This is, it goes on to say, and we're taking every thought captive, every thought captive, Every thought, excuse me, every thought captive and make it bow down to Jesus. That, that's literally what that means. We are capturing thoughts as we exercise these weapons and we're taking those thoughts over to the feet of Jesus and then we are making them bow down at his feet to release the impact of their influence upon the life that had been driven by those thoughts. Now, if you write this all off, well, that was Paul, and that was the church, and he was an apostle, and all of that stuff. You, you can do that if you want to. But I want to dare some of you to believe that this is an example of how the Lord invites us to operate within the spheres that he has given us to, to operate, to live in. Lord, cleanse my heart. Show me if there's pride in me. Show me if there's unforgiveness in me. Show me where there's sin in mine. Anything that grieves you, Lord, I want to be clean. Humbling ourselves before the need to be forgiven and cleansed. And then taking seriously to the point of not just knowing, yeah, I'm married and I live in that house and I've got these kids and these grandkids and I work over at this place. But to do as Paul did here, to embrace the sphere that the Lord has put you in. Believing that he has put you there for the purpose of being his influence into that area. If you see it as only your physical body, if you see it as only your shoes and your feet and your hair and your, and, and, and your body and what the words that come out of your mouth, then, then you've only, you're only dealing with half of who the God sees you are in that place. You're way more than just a body and a voice and hands and feet. Your spirit. And he has given you his authority physically, but spiritually as well to enforce 
his authority. You'll say, that just seems unfair. Well, how fair is Satan? Is he being nice about his attempt to steal, steal, kill, and destroy in your family's life, in your business? There's nothing fair about him. The only thing Satan will understand is authority greater than his authority. And that one's name is Jesus. And where does that Jesus live? He lives right here. And what's he in there to do? Oh, we're still here on this earth. We're on this earth to be saying, come kingdom of God. Be done, will of God. It's not even asking. It's commanding. It's, that, it's the imperative mood. Come kingdom of God. Be done, will of God, on this earth. We are his representatives to enforce his authority in our sphere. His authority for love, his authority for freedom, his authority for mercy, his authority for kindness, his authority for satisfying the lonely, his authority for provision, his authority, his authority. If it's the enemy's authority, that's all about stealing, killing, and destroying. But that is not about the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. You enforce my authority to bless. And, and the folks, and I just, I'm going to stop here. I, I, I can feel like somebody going, you know, that's really true. And nodding our head, you know, yeah. And I, and I appreciate the agreement. I don't feel like I'm preaching to a hostile crowd. But what I hope we walk out of here with is not just the sense, you know, that's just a really good idea. Somebody ought to do that. <laughs> You know, I mean, that, that, really, that, that really might work. Embrace your sphere. Where in your sphere is something broken? Where in your sphere are lies operating? Where in your sphere is wrong logic happening? Where in your sphere are thoughts all over the map? What if because the Lord has placed you in that sphere it's for the purpose in His strength, in His name, in the place of prayer regularly and even speaking it out loud, walking back through your office, walking through your kids' bedrooms, go wherever you need to go in the name of Jesus. I enforce the authority of freedom here. I enforce the authority of the Lord's mercy. I enforce the Lord's authority of a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth chance. And this one who's given up, I enforce your authority. You see, if, if, when, you, when you realize you have earthly authority, you realize with as far as earthly things, you, you can say yes to some things. Yes. You can say no to some things. Yes, we'll buy that. No, we won't buy that. Yes, we'll let this in, that person in, or no, we won't. If, if, a, if, a, if a bell could go off inside our brains and cause us to see, it is to be no different in the spirit realm than it is in the physical realm. If you have the ability to say no to some things physically, don't just stop there. But the enemy loves it when we're just willing to roll over, move on off. Oh, that was just so hard. That was just so hard. When all the long and say, wait a minute, you're being attacked. Family's being attacked. I have given you weapons. And I have given you my authority. Stand against it. Don't deal with it just in the physical. Understand in the spirit who you are. If the enemy can keep us shut down, just to the point where it's all physical, it's all physical, all physical, we can live our life frustrated, broken, and defeated in areas where the Lord could say, if you just wait a minute, wait a minute. I mean, if, if Paul had, had decided that all he was going to try to do was just try to convince these people that thought he was too short and it didn't sound good in his life, that all his time was just try to convince them. That, no, maybe I'm, you know, short people, it's not bad to be short. Or, or, you know, happy, high voice can't be always a bad thing. If it was just dealing with the physical. But he understood the victory was going to be won in the spirit. 
in the spiritual. I enforce the authority of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ over and into that stronghold. Stronghold meaning it's been there for a while. It took a while to build. It can hold a lot of people. It it cannot be breached by any physical means. The only way to set the captives free and the only way to break down the walls of the stronghold is by means of these weapons of our warfare. Nothing is impossible with your God. Now, do we say that about the God in heaven? He's way off out, John. Or do we say that about the God who lives in your chest? Nothing is impossible with my God. Not the perpetuated existence of faulty logic or pride taking over seemingly the known world or thoughts that cannot be contained or tracked in any reasonable or right pattern. Strongholds of ideas, strongholds of emotions, strongholds of conclusions. Destroyed. Destroyed by the weapons of our warfare applied by those who will embrace their sphere. Will you? Will you? Will you? Will you? I pray so. I pray so. Lord, thank you for this time in your word, and I ask you, Lord, to not let these truths leave us. I ask you, Lord, to, in a wonderful way, trouble us, stir us up. What isn't happening, what hasn't happened, because I have never, ever, as a dad, a wife, husband, parent, whoever, in the sphere, I've never exercised the spiritual weapons of authority that you've given. Lord, I ask you to teach us how to do that. I ask you to fill us with your spirit so that we will not shirk, will not turn aside. When you call us to engage the enemy in the ways that will set captives free. That is our prayer, Lord. Believing that you're hearing us and believing that you're the one drawing and stirring these things up in our hearts. We ask you to finish what you've started in us, Jesus. Finish what you started in us, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I would say in passing that I don't know that I would still be standing up in front of you folks with the Bible open behind this old cross if it, had not, if it had not been for the warfare prayers of that little lady sitting on that front row. I know she's prayed this way. I know she's had to say to me at times, you are better than that. Jesus in you is better than that. Now you just need to quit. Quit that. <laughs> you know, the some of the training in the old, well, you're, you're, just, you're just not being submissive. You just need to be submissive. If she had been submissive and hadn't spoken up, I, I don't know how many years ago I'd have been out of the ministry, you know, because I needed someone. See, see the reason some folks treat you the way they treat you is because they've never seen the spiritual authority side of you. That's why we can be treated just as a blow-off. Because we're only operating in one half of what the Lord has called us into that sphere to operate in. Yeah. All right, I'm going to stop there. We may have to do a part two on this next week, if that's okay. Go a little further. Go a little further. Go a little further. Would you stand with me and streaming family, bless you all for, for being a part today. And 
it's just, it's just good to be together. Just so grateful that we can be together in this house and be together online, however that works out. Being together as the family of the Lord. I'm going to invite our prayer partners to join me here at the front. And if we can pray with you, you're in this room, come and let us pray with you to receive Christ as your Savior and Lord. To pray for more light to be shining into your understanding, even of the things we've talked about. Pastor Walker at alamocity.org, we'd love to hear from you, streaming family. Any of you here, just send us a, a, a paragraph that's enough to know how to pray. And then when the Lord has brought a breakthrough, let us, let us hear from you on that as well. Uh, in, a, in a minute, we're going to let you come forward, let you leave. But before we do that, I just feel like I'm supposed to do this and we're supposed to keep doing this in a way that we did years ago but have gotten away from it. I want you to just open your hands if you would. You don't have to, but this is a blessing. It's the blessing of Aaron upon the children of Israel that the Lord gave through Moses to tell Aaron what to say. Here, here, is, here is the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the name of His Son, Jesus, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 You are dismissed to come this way or to step out the back. Let it, we're here to pray with you if we can help. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Amen.